Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to This Week Again, and I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with Hunter Biden crashing his own congressional contempt hearing. Move on to everything that kind of happened after that and end the show with the latest in our ongoing docuseries. Donald Trump is why presidential immunity isn't absolute. Let's begin, shall we? The Republicans on the House Oversight Committee decided to put on a show for C-SPAN called Let's Hold Hunter Biden in Contempt for Not Complying with Our Subpoena to Testify. This is because back in December of last year, Hunter Biden agreed to testify before the committee in public, which was offered to him in the subpoena sent by the worst oversight committee chairman, Kentucky's representative James Comer. Hunter Biden has offered to publicly uh, testify before the House Oversight Committee. December 13th. Biden's lead attorney, Abby Lowell, makes this offer for his client to publicly testify. Hunter Biden had been subpoenaed for closed-door testimony. What he and his attorney are saying, let's do it out in the open so you can't manipulate what I said in the hearing. Closed-door transcribed interviews where Republicans come out and completely misrepresent the testimony of the witnesses. Cherry pick it, mislead, provide disinformation to somehow support their completely baseless allegations. And Hunter Biden is saying, I'm not going to be subject to your control over my testimony. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't blame Hunter Biden, because let's be honest, Republicans lie about shit all the fucking time. In fact, since 2015, lying has become a feature of the Republican Party. But hey, don't take my word for it. Here's the inglorious bastard running the Oversight Committee, Mr. James Comer, complaining about why a public testimony which he offered wouldn't work. (laughs) We need to ask him hundreds of questions. If he comes in for one hearing with 24 members having five minutes each to ask questions with the Democrats yelling and screaming like they do every hearing, we would probably get about 30 to 35 questions in. We have about 350 or 400 questions. We have specific questions and you just don't have the opportunity to get that substantive in a committee hearing. It's so cute you think that excuse is going to work, but after Republicans held Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in a House Select Committee hearing for over 11 hours straight, asking well over 400 questions about Benghazi back in 2012, (laughs) there is no fucking way in hell that whiny bitch reason is going to fly now. So fast forward to... The next week, the last week of December 2023, and guess who shows up to publicly testify? (laughs) Why, none other than Hunter Biden himself, who was told access denied when he appeared at the subpoenaed time to publicly testify, and then said this to the press, who happened to be following him around the Capitol. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, Where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer. When you said we can bring these people in for depositions 
or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. And just so that we're all clear, literally, Republicans refuse to accept a public testimony from Hunter Biden and then threatened Hunter with contempt of Congress for taking one of two options that he was given in his subpoena to come and testify to Congress. So now that we're all caught up. Hunter Biden crashed a House hearing this morning as Republicans push to hold him in contempt of Congress. In a building with very few genuine surprises, this was a big one. Democrats on this panel didn't know it was coming, they say. So many Republicans on this panel told me they didn't know this was coming. They were meeting today to formally recommend Hunter Biden be held in criminal contempt, contempt of Congress, potentially prosecuted for stubbing their subpoena. And the day they're going to have that vote and that debate, Hunter Biden shows up, sits in the front row, told CBS News he'd be willing to take the witness table if they let him. <laughs> That's right, folks. Hunter Biden and his lawyers took front row seats during his very own public contempt of Congress hearing. For, of course, taking public testimony option number one in his subpoena. But apparently that wasn't what they wanted. So he must be afraid to answer the Republicans 400 and something questions. And if you think that that makes any fucking sense, <laughs> relax, it doesn't. And not for nothing, but the whole premise of the hearing was just begging to be punked. Hunter Biden just understood the assignment. Show up to the hearing where they're going to punish you for not showing up the way they wanted you to. And hey, you just get to prove that this is a harebrained stunt that was destined to backfire hilariously in the Republicans' faces. Which, of course, it did. With a little help from the Dems on the Oversight Committee. Up first was Florida's momentary lapse of electoral clarity, Representative Jared Mouskowitz, who said what everyone was thinking. The gentlelady from South Carolina about the witness being afraid to come in front of the committee. Here, doesn't seem to be too afraid. For some reason, the chairman, who on multiple occasions invited the witness to come on TV, the chairman said... The witness can choose whether to come to a deposition or to a public hearing in front of the committee. The witness accepted the chairman's invitation. If the committee wants to hear from the witness and the chairman gave the witness that option, then the only folks that are afraid to hear from the witness with the American people watching are my friends on the other side of the aisle. <laughs> In what can only be described as a facepalm moment, Republicans actually thought their little scheme wasn't blatantly obvious while simultaneously unaware of the irony of their public hearing to hold Hunter Biden in contempt for choosing a public hearing for his testimony. <laughs> And unfortunately for Republicans, Mouskowitz wasn't done making obvious observations, like the fact that there is a laundry list of maggot Republicans who, as of now, are still ignoring subpoenas over January 6th. To my colleagues who talk about lawful subpoenas, 
Listen, I'll, I'll make this bipartisan. I'll vote for the Hunter contempt today. You can get my vote. But I want you to show the American people that you're serious. Here is the subpoena to Representative Scott Perry, who did not comply. I'd like to enter this into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mark Meadows. I'd like to enter this into the record, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Jim Jordan, who did not comply with a lawful subpoena. I'd like to enter that into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mo Brooks, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. Here is the subpoena to Mr. Biggs, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. And here's the subpoena to Mr. McCarthy, who did not comply. I'd like to enter that into the record. There's an amendment coming to add some of those names into the contempt order. You vote to add those names and show the American people that we apply the law equally, not just when it's Democrats, right? It's a crime when it's Democrats, but when it's Trump and the Republicans, it's just fine. No, show that you're serious and that everyone is not above the law. Vote for that amendment and I'll vote for the Hunter Biden contempt. Yeah, that didn't happen. Literally, it's okay with Republicans when their own sitting Congress and Senate members dodge congressional subpoenas from the January 6th Select Committee, but Hunter Biden? Oh, fuck no. Contempt of Congress's ass. Spoiler alert, they did. But only after the Oversight Committee hilariously became an unforeseen lesson in, believe it or not, white privilege complete with a Karen-style monologue from South Carolina's favorite repressed white woman, Representative Nancy Mace, who said this out loud. And while at work, while she was on national television. First of all, my first question is, who brought Hunter Biden to be here today? Um, Second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here. I think that, uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law on, come on. and the premise come that on. the law applies to equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Um, Point of it order. It doesn't matter who you are. Oh, so Mega Karen over there is calling Hunter Biden out on white privilege just because he chose the public option, which is what Republicans didn't want him to choose for his testimony. And all I got to say is, South Carolina, are you okay? Between Namatra, Randawa, otherwise known as totally white Nikki Haley and not Pakistani, trying to convince everyone that the Civil War was really about states' rights and self-imposed Scarlet Mace over here with her white woman's tears. And South Carolina, you must be going through something right now. Maybe you guys need a moment. And while I'm sure no one is going to get them the better help that they deserve, surprise Democrat from Texas, Rep. Jasmine Crockett, came to the rescue and came to this hearing with receipts. Also, a heavy dose of who in the fuck do you think you are, Nancy? Roll tape. I can't get over the gentle lady from South Carolina talking about white privilege. It was a spit in the face, at least of mine as a black woman, for you to talk about what white privilege looks like, especially from that side of the aisle. And let me quote your now ousted speaker and what he had to say about the Republican Party and y'all's lack of diversity. When you look at the Democrats, they actually look like America. When I look at my party, we look like the most restrictive country club in America. 
You want to talk about a two-tier justice system and when this country has a history when it comes to black and brown folk of having two separate sets of rules. And right now what you want to do is have two separate sets of rules because Mr. Moskowitz offered y'all a fair situation. He said he would vote for Hunter to be held in contempt if y'all voted to hold all, even if you remove all of the members of Congress, there's still other people that y'all haven't decided that y'all have excuses for, but y'all don't want to hold them in contempt. But for some reason, it makes sense to hold Hunter Biden in contempt, who has tried to comply. And let me tell you why nobody wants to talk to y'all behind closed doors, because y'all lie. That's just the bottom line. Fuck yeah, they lie. That's the underlying theme of this entire clown show. Hunter Biden wanted to avoid Republican spin on Fox Not a News Channel and Newsmax by having his testimony held in a public hearing, which again was a choice. Barely a chairman, James Comer stated in the subpoena he sent to Hunter Biden's attorneys. So it's not Hunter's fault that he called James Bluff. And not for nothing, but Hunter showed up twice to testify publicly, and he was refused by Republicans both times. But yeah, they voted to hold him in contempt anyway, because no child of your political opponent should go unpunished, right? And speaking of crimes that, as of the recording of this show, are currently going unpunished, if one could argue that electing Donnie Depends to the presidency back in 2016 will be remembered as the day the music died, then the bullshit his ambulance chasers were arguing in a D.C. federal appellate court in the last week would probably be considered the obituary roll tape. The former president is claiming immunity, saying that he should not face charges for anything he may have done leading up to the January 6th attack on the Capitol because he was president. The Trump legal team arguing the former president should have absolute immunity from prosecution because he was acting within his official presidential duties. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first, my answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. OK, I have a question. Did this online degree recipient skip an entire semester of civics class in grade school? Because sounds to me like he doesn't know how this shit works. For those of you in the back, impeachment of a president and the Senate trial that may or may not follow. These are all political actions. They actually have no bearing on whether or not that action itself holds criminal or civil penalties. So in other words, Donnie Two Scoops legal eagle would know that if he hadn't gotten his law degree in increments from Google certificates. Oh, and let's talk about the bullshit about a president can order the assassination of Americans, kind of like he does a 10-piece bucket, and nothing but heartburn will ever come of it. This is completely insane. Until you hear what longtime cosplaying supervillain and Big Lebowski's BFF Roger Stone said to a cop about two sitting House Democrats. We are at the political assassinations uh, phase of this hideous video game that we're trapped in, apparently. Mediaite released stunning and disturbing new audio of Trump associate Roger Stone discussing the assassination of Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell and Jerry Nadler. 
with an NYPD cop weeks before the 2020 election. Weeks before the 2020 presidential election, infamous political operative Roger Stone sat across from his associate Sal Greco at a restaurant, Cafe Europa in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. At the time, Greco was an NYPD cop working security for Stone on the side. Their conversation at the restaurant focused on two House Democrats for whom Stone harbors particular animosity, Jerry Nadler and Eric Swalwell. Get a piece there and we'll find Swalwell and get this over with. Time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. Either follow up, either Strawwell or Nadler has to die before the election. They need to get the message. Yeah, just not putting up with this again. So, yeah, there you have it. Violence is inherent in the system, and the last presidential election year was no exception. Caught on tape, you just heard live-action Oswell Copperpot say he wanted to have Democrat Congressman Jerry Nadler from New York and Eric Swalwell from California killed to send a message. And that message was that Gallbladder Stone was sick of their shit. And what shit, you might be wondering, could warrant getting two members of the House Judiciary Committee assassinated for? Well, I'll let Mediate reporter and breaker of this story, Diana Falzone, explain. At the time of the Cafe Europa conversation, Nadler had announced the committee would be investigating then-President Donald Trump's decision to commute Stone's sentence after he was convicted of federal crimes in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia probe. Our source told us that this was not a one-off conversation, nor was it in jest. Our source told us Stone was talking about taking specific actions on these plans. Quote, Roger spent election day and the months prior calling for acts of violence. It was definitely concerning that he was constantly planning violence with an NYPD officer and other militia groups. Oh, would you look at that? This story comes full circle. It also comes complete with a built-in motivation for murder while simultaneously linking the scandal monger to Nadler and Swalwell should anything happen to them from this point on. And shout out to Norwalk, Connecticut for raising this vampireless chat to become an assassination-plotting Richard Nixon fanboy that he is today. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know what? We've gotten into the weeds. We were discussing presidential immunity versus absolute power, and another thing, just because King Baby Coward repeated his fascist wish list during the entirety of his occupation in our White House, it doesn't make it true. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. I have an absolute right to call national security. I do have an absolute right to pardon myself. I have the ultimate authority. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. It's total. It's total. Article 2 allows me to do whatever I want. Then I have an Article 2 where I have the right to do whatever I want. Um, no, absolutely, uh, sir. What you have is poor reading comprehension skills. The United States does not have a king because literally that's one of the grievances our founding fathers had with England. So... Please, someone tell Eric's dad, because here's what cognitive decline Don said to clarify his lawyer's comments on presidential immunity. And I feel that as a president, you have to have immunity. Very simple. And uh, they were talking about after. Well, nothing has to do with after I left. It was during 
the time. And that was what they really focused on today during the appeal. And they concede that, and everybody concedes that. And if it's during the time, you have absolute immunity. Oh, that is a terrible piece of fiction because reality is no one conceded to the notion that a president's actions cannot be criminally prosecuted other than the plea peddler Schittler hired to spout that utter nonsense in the courtroom. Which is why I think right now might be a really good time to consider the source when it comes to this entire presidential immunity debate that we are now having. For example, here's Orange Cartman's response to being called a threat to democracy by President Biden. Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, uh, I'm gonna, he's a threat to democracy. I'm a th- They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. He's a threat to da, da, democracy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't read the word. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, at least he confirmed what we have all suspected. At least I have. That the former oaf of office can't read. <laughs> but if you think that clip is just a one-off, I present to you this montage of all the words old drinks with two hands simply cannot read. 10,000 known or suspected gang members. Every single car out there, even the really expensive ones, until it stops its dangerous provocation, controlled by large donors, unelected regulators and regulators, the corridors of power, or they're our corridors. They're not their corridors. These are our Carters. Another historic step toward future development and future uh, with a, a future, a real future. And I have to say, that's a real future. Our hope is a word and world. Authority and authoritarian powers. Beating expectations in the House for the midterm and midterm year. Developing an internet. Uh, this is so totally important, an intercontinental ballistic missile. They sacrifice every day for the furniture and future of their children. (laughs) Really, maggots, that's your guy? No wonder 64% of women refuse to date a Republican when that literacy-deficient aspect, who apparently smells like one too, is their only choice for president. But hey, let's not stop here. Because just a couple of days ago, after he wasn't given permission to do so, by the way, the traffic cone of treason, old man ranted his way into a stump speech during closing arguments in his New York civil fraud case where he has been ordered to pay $392,000 for being a shady business owner, of course. As we speak, former President Trump is in a courtroom in New York speaking. No cameras in this courtroom, but as we understand it, he is going on a bit of a monologue right now. Trump's attorney, Chris Kyes, summarized his argument. Other attorneys got up to summarize theirs, but then... Chris Kyes got up just a few moments ago and asked if former President Trump could address the court. And he then launched into what our colleagues who are inside describe as a monologue. 
telling the court, quote, the facts are the financial statements are perfect. There are no witnesses against us. The banks got all their money paid back. There were great loans. This was a political witch hunt. So we have a situation where I am an innocent man. He said, quote, I'm being persecuted by somebody running for office. Trump has immediately launched into an attack of the attorney general. You know, he's saying that she hates um, Trump and is just using him to using this case to get elected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you would know all about that, wouldn't you? It's clear to me that you've cornered the market on using criminal indictments because you've siphoned $37 million in counting from the poorly educated. Believe me, Letitia James, the DA of New York, doesn't need to beg for money the way successful real estate moguls like yourself do on a regular basis. With the collector cards no one would wipe their ass with, even in a toilet paper shortage, to selling Never Surrender t-shirts with a picture of your own mugshot. You know, the proof that you surrendered to the police in Georgia for election fraud charges. Uh, Look, I'm missing the point. The point is, we now know that while occupying the White House, Dingus Khan was paid $7.8 million from foreign governments, and $5.5 million of that came from China alone. And for you civic buffs, a president cannot accept any gift, whether cash or object or anything of benefit, unless Congress gives the president explicit permission to do so. Otherwise, they got to give it back. So here's how Fox Not a News Channel handled questioning the fraud father on why he kept the cash. You know, there is this report, House Democrats, uh, documents that say that nearly $8 million in payments to your businesses from foreign governments, China included, Saudi Arabia, while you were in office. They say Article 1 of the Constitution says you can't accept money from foreign governments while president. Would you pledge to divest from your business in a second term as other presidents have done? So that's what, I, they're, that's what no, they're reporting. I own hotels all over the... I don't get free money. You know, George Washington was a very rich man. People don't know that. In his essentially White House, which wasn't built, but they had an office, he had a business desk and he had a country desk right next to each other. You're allowed to do that. Okay, seriously, where is he getting this shit? (laughs) That is not true. That is just not true. (laughs) George Washington did not have a country desk and a business desk in his presidential office. But even if he did, for argument's sake... That does not excuse Gerth Vader from violating the U.S. Constitution's emoluments clause from profiting off of his presidency while he was president. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. But if that's not enough for you, you can catch me on Face Palm America with host Beowulf Rockland, where we make fun of the news in real time on a recorded podcast. Follow This Week Again podcast on social media, wherever you can find us. And we are always available for your listening pleasure on places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show and to Der for now.